freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about... Just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's, like, the buff dudes at? Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Well, I said it was going to be a very busy hour, and uh, we'll try to live up to that. Good stuff from Jerry Depoto, and we'll get back to what he told us at 9.30 this morning, before ranked at 9.45. Before Jerry, we had the opportunity to talk to Draymond Jones. He's a pretty interesting dude, and he's pretty open. He's pretty honest. It was a uh, a crazy day where he is from. He used to play in Denver, and uh, they had quite the day today with Sean Payton essentially burning everything down around him. And uh, you know, it's we can talk through some of what that means. But it was sort of the first time, Brock, that we've really gotten a sense as to what the heck this defensive scheme is going to look like. Yep. Pete essentially uses word salad to keep anybody from understanding what the heck they're doing. Right. I don't know no, how many t- Mike, no Mike, right. that's not it at all. <laughs> right. He argues, no, he Mike. obfuscates Mike. no matter what you ask Pete about the three, four, four, three scheme. Mike. He finds a way to make it more confusing than before you ask the question. Mike, Stop. no Mike, that's no, that's not it at all. Well, you asked Dre Jones what he was going to be doing this year in terms of stopping the run. And here's mm-hmm. what he said. We're going to be mixing it. We, we have some things where we mix in both, style of defenses which is 4-3 and D4 but the main point of it is penetration and, and uh, creating that, that distance and that separation between the line of scrimmage that we need to get those three, those, those, those gains like I said earlier three yards or less uh, they're really emphasizing that a lot I know last year there was some struggle when I wasn't here and uh, now I'm here to help be that bridge to bring this team to what they need to be so when I hear penetrating yes. from a defensive line I think 4-3 correct Correct. That that's much more your traditional four three concepts. You get upfield. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Warren Sapp making the three technique a very popular position and one that gets drafted now in the first round all over the place. Because you're and it was really Russell Maryland before Warren Sapp with the Cowboys and their four three scheme. And that is, you know, get upfield. We're not two gapping. I'm not Al Woods. As Al Woods was explaining to the New York media earlier this week, I'm not sitting there doing all the dirty work and just holding up the gaps so the linebackers behind me can fill up the stat sheet. It's no, I get a chance to get back there and get TFLs. I get a chance to disrupt in this run game. I get a chance to go be in attack mode. So that you hear very clearly they're going to be doing more of. Because last year, how many times would we see that bare front? And how many Wednesdays? When we talked to KJ and like, oh my gosh, they're on skates, right? Puna's on skates. LJ's on skates. These guys are just getting, they're on roller skates. They're just getting rolled out of there, getting washed into Jordan, washed into Cody. So why then, Brock, would you be running and bringing in all these three, four people, personnel, et cetera? You drafted a nose tackle in the fourth round. Who else? You, well, you brought I, this guy in to disrupt. You brought Jaron in to disrupt. I mean, when you say this, like, no. They, well, they, I think well, I wasn't just talking about players. I was talking about coaches and a lot of commitment coaching-wise to bringing in people that have run a 3-4 defense. We saw it at times last year. They keep talking about it and saying mm-hmm. we're still running a 3-4. You know, Pete was asked yesterday, do they now have the right guys up front to run this scheme? Well, I, I think one of the keys uh, here is, is Jaron Reed coming back to us. Jay Reed playing nose tackle for us is, is crucial. He's a terrific player. He's, he's just as tough and as physical, uh, as knowledgeable as you can get. He'll, he'll do great there. That, that, that really, I think, is going to be one of the key elements of building it around him. 
You know, I, we're really counting on him to be a big factor. I, I don't see any, any continuity issues at all with uh, our guys. You know, I think Dre's going to be ready to go. I'm really fired up about Mario being in here. Big Mike, and I'm anxious to see how he fits in. You know, he came in at 300 pounds, you know, he's a monster of a guy, 6'6", 300, and he's really a good technician. We've, he's already shown us that. So we're just developing him as we go and, and see where we can find the rotation and see who else can help us in that, you know, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I apologize, the name is escaping me, and I can't multitask well enough as I was listening to every word of Pete right there, but the nose tackle for the Green Bay Packers. He's been a dominant guy. He's been in multiple Pro Bowls. He played at UCLA. They gave him big-time money, and he's the guy that is Pete is talking there that they want Jaron Reed to be. Okay, so the starting group yesterday, is as it looked on paper or on the field, was Jaron at nose, it was Mario and Dre next to him, and then Chenna and Daryl, Chenna and Boye, Chenna and Derek Hall, right? It's it's that mix, and that is a little bit of what they're looking for. Not the Al Woods, giant walrus, 350 pounds just anchoring the middle. No, I want you to still be tremendously disruptive. And if you've watched Green Bay over the years and, and you've looked at that defense, oh, by the way, it's caused Seattle a bunch of problems, right? They have always also had then the Mike Morris's, the 6'6", 6'7", 300-pound, can play a little bit of a five technique, can play a little bit of a, you know, a two-gapping style when you need to. But that was, man, that was music to my ears this morning to hear Dre saying, no, 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 no. We've studied this up, man. It's three yards or less. Holding the three yards or less, not five yards a carry, which I think is about what the Seahawks mm-hmm. run defense gave up last season. I, it's funny to hear you say all that. It's, first of all, when you say Green Bay knows Kenny tackle, Clark. Kenny Clark. I first thought go. of Gilbert Brown, and then I thought of B.J. Raji. So obviously yep. uh, my mind was stuck in the past. But Correct. Well, you're in the 80s. It's not Bruce Springsteen. It's Kenny all Clark. Right, those guys are 90s and 2000s, yeah. but whatever. Okay, Regardless, it is interesting. It's a little hard for me when you say, well, okay, you know, that's what they want Jaron Reed to do. Well, he was in that scheme last year and struggled. He was in that scheme, and Kenny Clark was the nose. So he was in that scheme. But is Jaron Reed even a nose? I mean, like, all those things are a little confusing to me. Like, that's never been what he's been in the past. No, 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 Mike, I hear you. No, Mike, you got it, Mike. I mean, that's Mike, a little, no, Mike, that's a little that's challenging a for me. That's a fair question, Mike. Uh, and at this age and at this stage of his career, those things make me a little nervous. Not that I'm not excited for Mike Morris. Not that I'm not excited for Jaron Reed in a rotational you know, position, etc. But... And Dominican Sue. Things are going to be great because Jaron Reed's back playing nose. That doesn't quite work for me like 100%. I I understand it. But what if you're asking him to play a nose that's also hyper aggressive? I love it. I'm I'm into it. And and I'm obviously going to keep an open mind to see what this looks like. Because last year it felt like the personnel didn't fit the scheme. I guarantee you here's what KJ Wright will hear with that, though. What what a linebacker will hear with that, and maybe we send him that sound, and and we, he can kind of respond uh, at some point here shortly. And that is, well, hold on a second. If you have, and, and sometimes last year you saw Puna penetrate. Mm-hmm. He would. He would just say, "The heck with this. I'm getting upfield. I'm penetrating." And then what do you have? Then you have different levels. And for linebackers, that can also be tremendously problematic because here comes a cut a cutback. Here comes an open window. Here comes some space. That hey, hold on a second. Like as long as you guys are on multiple levels puncturing and penetrating, then we can make this work. But if one guy's doing it and now you're creating different levels, you're creating different reads and making it at times harder as well on those linebackers. So, What, what did you make of his uh, comments on doing the one-on-one pass rush drill? I'm not going to lie to you. I, I get a lot of like anxiety about it. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, good, I'm a good pass rusher, but 
uh, the fact that you got to have a, a one-on-one moment and everybody's watching you, I don't want to be, like, I'll lose, but, like, I don't want to be a person that get, like, stoned or something <laughs> like that, like, get dropped. Like, I, that hasn't happened yet. I mean, I'm going a year if I don't, I don't expect it to happen, but still, like, I, I always get things that I've had that since, like, high school. So who do you want to go against? To everybody. <laughs> Maura, you left that in just because you like when guys say shoot. shoot. I know you. I mean, I've guilty. known you too long now. I do. You just like when guys go shoot. Shoot. But then right Rico's the one that started that. Yeah, I ain't scared, though. Like, don't right. confuse anxiousness with being scared. But you want to know why Justin Herbert gets $52 million a year? You want to know why all these quarterbacks make what they make a year? Because on every single play, guess what you are? <laughs> You're exposed. Right? Defense alignment right there. Like, hey, man, it's it's a mosh pit. Right, it's really hard to just identify one guy and say, "Yep, you're you're under the spotlight, and you really cost us the game." But quarterbacks, you know, they tend to be in that spotlight. Certainly, when they're in the pocket throwing it, which are the best ones are asked to do. And that was, yeah, I, I know why you like that. That was transparency. That was being vulnerable. That was cool. being honest. Right, that was that was Steve Hutchinson <laughs> hating that drill and going up against John Randall. Right, like I hate this drill, and that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, one of the best has ever done it. Best to ever do it because it is can be brutal, and it certainly is very transparent for everybody watching it. Good stuff. All right, we'll come right back. Give you everything you need to know, and uh, if you missed any of Draymond Jones, you can find that wherever you get your podcast or at SeattleSports.com. And I would suspect we'll have some uh, video of that out on YouTube later today if you follow the station at Seattle Sports on YouTube. Uh, we also talked to Jerry Depoto earlier. Want to come back to some of what he said about the trade dead line and the position they're in and what they're going to do next because if you read between the lines i think there's a lot in there as well so it's all coming up don't go anywhere it's brock and salt seattle sports on 710 need to know up first and we've been bouncing around a whole bunch of big stories in seattle today but with the seahawks first practice yesterday of training camp unfortunately the focus was not on who was there it was on who was not devin witherspoon the number five overall pick not present because he's not happy with the contract being offered so far p carroll says yeah he'd like to have him back pretty quick yeah um he's not here today um he he knows everything he needs to know i think uh, i can't imagine he won't be here very soon I would imagine the same thing to be true just because whatever argument he's making doesn't seem to have a whole lot of merit. It also takes a little bit of focus off some other guys who aren't there, namely Jordan Brooks and specifically Jamal Adams. Pete explains where they're at. Okay, both those guys are PUP and uh, um, they're in different situations. They have their own unique situations. Both guys come in really in really good shape. They're really, I mean, they're, they're close to being ready. Um, it's it, none of us, meaning our side of it and the player side of it. We, we don't want to push it until it's, you know, we get more information here. Take our time, you know, judge, judge our way through this thing and make sure we really take care of them. So that's what we're doing. And so that's why it's, it, we, we were, um, counted on the PUP thing with those guys. And I should clarify, they're there. They're just not practicing. I don't mean to make no. it sound like they're not present, but they're not practicing yet as they're on PUP. So just to add a little detail to both of those things, for Weatherspoon, there's no negotiation of cost. This isn't Cam Chancellor holding out. He wanted to rip up a deal and wanted his mega millions. The deal is there. The lottery ticket has been won. Devin Weatherspoon has won the lottery ticket. He's going to get $20 million in, in, a, in, in guaranteed money and a signing bonus. This whole deal is going to be guaranteed over the four years there. It's just a matter of when you get those lottery payments. And do you get them all now as all three quarterbacks ahead of him got? That whole signing bonus was paid immediately. Or do you get a little bit deferred? Is Will Anderson had 15% of it deferred? And, and maybe this is a little bit more that the Seahawks want deferred so they can spread it out and they can be fiscally responsible with what they need to do. 
when it comes to the pup list, there's six Seahawks on it. Add Noah Fant and Reek Woolen as well. And what's important, as Pete said there, any day they can come off. Just because you're on it doesn't mean now you're going to be on it for the next six weeks, eight weeks, you're inactive. This is not like the injured list in baseball, 10-day, 60-day. Once Tariq, once sorry, Reek Woolen feels good and, and his knee's 100% healed, which could be Monday, he comes off that list and he's hitting the ground running too. Well, that would be good. Speaking of running, Jackson Smith and Jigba did quite a bit of it yesterday, and Pete was pretty happy with how he looked. He's as natural as a guy can be. Feel, uh, movement, hand-eye, timing, off the, like getting off the ground, timing the ball. He's just as natural as you can be. You, we'll be able to really count on him. And then once he gets settled and he understands what's going on, he has all the adjustments, uh, and he and G get enough t- time to work together, he's going to be a really good factor. I love that word. And maybe that should be his nickname, the natural. Hmm. I mean, he, he you could tell with certain receivers. I remember Jake Heaps and I talking about this. So you could give me like five throws to a receiver, and I could tell you in five throws whether that guy can track a ball, with that guy's kind of catchability, his hand-eye coordination, and the natural, yeah, he does it as well as any rookie we've seen in here. Here's the second thing you need to know. Two outs, the 2-2 pitch. Swing and it's hit on a line, driven deep out to left field, poked well and gone. Home run on a line, Dylan Moore. That was smacked to left. He has given the Mariners now a 2-0 lead, a two-out, two-strike bomb by Dylan. Yeah, that was his first of two home runs on the day. What is that all about? Dylan Moore going nuts yesterday. And quite frankly, uh, the whole team scoring eight runs, come from behind as they seem to have uh, kind of made it their thing recently, uh, and end up winning, holding on late 8-7. So they've won five of their last seven games. They honestly could have won all seven of those along the way. They're averaging 5.4 runs per game during that time. Brock, this is the team they were designed to be. Yeah, I'd be very curious. Wouldn't it be fun? Jerry DePoto just got done saying that felt like Coors Field yesterday with the high heat, high humidity, Oof. the ball was just jumping. If you took those exact same velocities, those exact same swings, and you put them on April 20th on a 51 degree... How many home runs would there have been? There were, what, seven in the game yesterday? Home run. Yeah. Four? Maybe. I mean, the one that the lefty hit to left field is out of every park in the known universe. Even if it was below freezing. Brock, I don't... Did you see what he did to that ball? That was insane. Did you see that opposite field home run yesterday to the upper deck in Minnesota? It was pretty filthy. I, I, I was like, I almost fell off my couch. It was insane it was Vogel how hard he hit that ball. Vogel it was not right. But, hey, good on the Mariners. They win again. They're meat of their order. Julio, Gino, Teo goes five for 14. They drive in three runs, hit a home run. When those guys hit Brock, they tend to win. Hey, uh, that's now a couple times we've seen Mr. Munoz in a save situation. Anything to read into that? Well, I think yesterday I read into the fact that Paul Seawald had pitched in five of the last six games. So Correct. I don't know who else it was going to be coming in other Correct. than Munoz yesterday. 100%. Uh, no, I don't think it's a safe situation thing. I think it's about using guys in the right spot for them. Matt Brash hasn't been used in a safe situation essentially all year, but he comes in in really tough spots in the sixth, seventh inning mm-hmm. to try to get you out of jams. He couldn't do it yesterday, unfortunately. His, his numbers are going to be worse than the way he's pitched because of how difficult a situation I think they put him in all the time. I wouldn't read a ton into it. That being said, I don't know that there's a player on this team who would bring back more who would be potentially dealt than Paul Seawald next week. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. And we barely talked about it today, Brock, and and maybe just out of sympathy for you, but whatever happened yesterday with Colorado leaving to go to the Big 12, it is not good for what now appears to be the (sighs) Pac-9. Do I really have to talk about this again? It's it's bad, man. I mean, like, I know you keep saying that some of these schools are going to be okay, and I know there's a lot of posturing out there and all that, but, I mean, yesterday I heard the Big Ten say they're not looking to get any bigger, so for anybody Mm -hmm. who thinks Washington and Oregon are just going to jump to the Big Ten, there's no evidence to suggest that's true. Nope, I think that is fair, and I think as I chatted with athletic directors around the league, there was quite a bit of emotion, even though they knew this was coming. Right, I had said to you, and I remember talking to C. Raj and Bump uh, earlier in the week on Monday. Said, "This is the week, man. This is the big week. This is where you, if you are Washington State, if you're Oregon State, heck, if you're everybody, as you just said, this is the week that you've got to be aware because Colorado has been looking to do this for months, and." I think there was a game of chicken, and they kind of wanted the expansionists there in the Big 12 to be the ones to make this happen. But ultimately, their border regents yesterday met, and they're all leaving, and today it will become official. And and now, George Klievkov, good luck, man. Good luck. I, I, I don't know what the next step is, but I do know the Big 12 is not done trying to poach and look at what's in their best interests. Mm. Well, if that means Arizona, and now you're the Pac-8 again, It's hard to imagine how that has any real relevancy on a national scale. That is everything you need to know when we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Sulk show. Wow. What a what what craziness, man. Hey, people should know there's some cool stuff coming up Friday, August 11th Mariners uh, game on Friday. It's the whole Felix Mariners Hall of Fame weekend. So it starts Friday postgame fireworks show. Saturday is the Hall of Fame induction night. Supreme Court shirts for the first 40,000 fans. So what was the other Friday, one? You said? Superior. Or no, it was Supreme, right? It was a No, Supreme the court. other one was the... Right after he had the perfect game, it was the... People's Court? No, it wasn't the Supreme Court. I swear it was the Supreme Court, I don't right? think it was. It was something else. Huh. Uh, and then Sunday is going to be Felix Hall of Fame bobbleheads for the first 20,000 fans. So Whoa. a whole Felix uh, weekend planned for August 11th. How about that? That was the Supreme Court is August 21st, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was something else. I no, thought there well, was a different name for that. No, Mike. No, so. that's not it at all, Mike. You know, I am done with you and your <laughs> imitation of Pete Carroll. Driving uh, me crazy with that. You threw no. him under the bus with Dre Jones. Yeah, you did. So, and I didn't I mean, complain. I think yeah. he's getting back at you. Yeah, no, Mike. Oh, with the walruses? <laughs> Mike, that's not it at all. Do it you or do you court. not do the walrus? Like, you always call them walruses. Sure do. That's fine. By the way, <laughs> Matt Walner, oppo home run, 426 feet. Yep. There's no way that was only 426 feet. That's what the stack cast That shows. ball went at least 526, and I refuse to hear <laughs> any other conversation. Second, disagree second with Second home run of the game. That You're misremembering that. a that lot. That was nuts. Jeez, come on, Mike. It was, it was a different name. It was the the King's Court. Was it the King? No, that was the regular That's the regular one. There was a better one. There's another one. I'm going to come up with the name. I'm going to remember it, and we're going to play some Jerry DePoto sound next. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You know, maybe tomorrow, Brock, we can dig into this question that I've seen kind of floating about. And I've seen a text it. I know 
uh, I've heard Bump and Stacy talking about it, Bob and Wyman talking about it, is if you trade Paul Seawald, are you quote-unquote waving the white flag? Would that be the worst thing that the Mariners could do? I'd like to dig into that question a little bit tomorrow because I don't know that the answer to that is as obvious as mm. people are sort of making it sound like. Yeah. It's a it's a hard one, and I, I absolutely understand why all of them have sort of said something like that. I don't know whether it's entirely the case, and I don't know whether they want to do it. But man, when you start hearing, and I've talked to people around the league, what Seawald might be worth, yeah. it might change your point of view in terms of whether that's really a white flag or not. Well, two things quickly there, because I know you want to get some of the DePoto reaction and sound. Uh, number one, I'm going to try to uh, drop Paul Seawald's name in 32 minutes oh. on Cowherd Show. Nice. Yes. So uh, he's a big Cowherd listener. He told us that. I'm jumping on with Colin. They got an off day today. He may be listening. Yeah. So I'm going to do all I can to say, hey, just one last thing here, Colin. Paul Seawald's big trade chip. Big, big fan of yours. <laughs> so I'm going to do what I can. Good. And uh, yeah, hope, hopefully we'll have some fun with that. Secondly, I think the reason that there's been that reaction is what Morris said to us off the air. And it's like, Geez, could this have a Kendall Graveman effect? Plus, because Seawalt's beloved in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has just been a grinder. He's 33. He's paid his dues. He's been phenomenal. He's a centerpiece of so many of their huge leverage moments yep. late. Like, what would that say to the clubhouse emotionally? Well, I mean, obviously, it depends what you get back. Now, if you're trading Paul Seawald for 19-year-old kids who are five years away from the big leagues, no it absolutely problem. is the white flag that, that people say. Yep. But Paul Seawald might be worth a lot more than that. If you're trading Paul Seawald for players that can help you right now, and the argument is, hey, look, guys, nobody wants to trade Paul Seawald. We love him, but we need other positions like we need to hit. And we've got a surplus of guys who can come in and have success late in the game. Mm -hmm. We need other guys who can, you know, get us to that point with a lead. And Seawald might be the person who could bring it back. So. I'm not telling you that, that that the take is wrong. I think there's some validity to it. But I also think that it depends on what you're getting back, the age and the and the talent that you well, get back. And there, it might change your view on it. And therein is some of the natural concern that people would have of, well, hold on a second, the Abraham Toros yep. and some of these bats and moves you've made have not worked nearly as well as some of these arms that you have added and certainly developed over the years. It's 100% true. We'll dig into that a little bit more tomorrow. Jerry joined us earlier in the day. You can hear the whole thing at seattlesports.com, and I recommend listening to it. Of all of the things he said, I think this was probably the most telling in terms of where they're at and what they could do at the deadline. We're not opposed to bringing in you know, a short-term roster fit. It depends on what you have to give up to get it. We're not willing to purge future Mariners teams you know, and what that could be for our future unless we feel like that is a player who puts us over the top. And, and I think for it to be a player who puts you over the top, you have to be close to the top. I think that's very telling. And I I could go two ways with that. Okay, one, parse Jerry for me. Parse one it. is the very obvious of where this team's at. If they were five games, ten games better than they are right now, then absolutely they would be in the rental market looking to add a Cody Bellinger, whoever the case is, to just give you what you need to get over the top this year. And if it means sacrificing some of the future, so be it. Mm-hmm. And I got people in the text here saying, well, so obviously they're, you know, they're just passing on, on – uh, they're not passing on anything. Jerry's saying that in order to get a player like that, you've got to be close enough to, to earn it, to, to make it worthwhile. 
Otherwise, it's a fool's errand. So is two and a half in the wild card worthwhile? If you, if you win two or three against Arizona, well, that, you beat Boston on Monday, you're two and a half back. That is going to be different for everybody. And I don't know exactly what they would qualify as close enough. But in order to make it worth it, you've got to put yourself in position. It also makes me, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not just sort of going on, on, uh, on, on logic here. It makes me wonder how much they truly believed in this team this offseason. And I, and I know that there was a lot of, hey, you know, the next thing to do is win a World Series, yada, yada, yada. But for those who think they didn't go all in this offseason, it makes me wonder if maybe they said, look, this team's good, but maybe they don't quite have the goods entirely yet. That maybe they're not quite yet at the point to go all in. And by the way, you could certainly make the argument back. Well, if you had gone all in, maybe you'd be a whole lot closer to it and you'd be able to go even farther now. So I just, I don't know. I'm sort of spiraling a little bit and just thinking through the, you know, what that, what that phrase means. Yeah. But I understand what Jerry's saying. If you wanna, if you wanna get over the top, you gotta be near the top. Justin, or more, I know you're busy, Justin, getting ready for a a big time ranked. Yeah. Because we haven't done it in a couple days. Can you see on this date where the Mariners were last year? Sure. Give me a second. On this very date, as they got ready just days before the trade. The 27th. Yeah. On the trade deadline, right? Or three or four days before they make the Luis Castillo move. Where were they? Where was that team? Right, they, that was in the midst of coming off a fourteen-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. Yep, July twenty-seventh, they were fifty-four and forty-five. I mean, that's a pretty big difference from where you're at right yeah, now. Yeah, right, yeah. today you're fifty-two and fifty. Yeah. Right. I mean, Seven so that's games. that's a pretty significant difference from where you were. And another significant difference is that you no longer have the centerpieces that you gave up in the Luis Castillo deal. Correct. So, you know, talking about sacrificing your future, the Mariners, when they feel they're close to the top, are going to be willing to do it. They're going to be willing to acquire the players they think put them over the top. But you got to be close enough to the top to do it. So I you thought think that even was if that telling. means payroll. Because yes. I'm sure there's going to be a text or a hundred on there going, no, oh, got to be responsible, got to be responsible. It's always about being responsible. Uh, if there's the right player and he's going to bring on, I don't know, a, a hefty bump in the payroll, you think they'd be committed to doing that? I don't, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that, mm-hmm. but everything I've heard says yes. I haven't seen it, mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, of course they are. Why wouldn't you think that? I mean, there's no right. evidence to suggest that's true, yep. but I still have been told that it's true, and so I will assume that when that right player is there, that that you know it won't I, be money that you keeps. You know who I want to meet with? I want to meet with an irresponsible guy. You know, <laughs> Whose job was, that is? Yeah, when Jerry was talking about all the different voices that you have to have in the office, right? Pre- presenting different ideas and prospects and players and moves. I want irresponsible guy. I want the one. I want boy howdy. I want the, you know, because Boy Howdy was kind of that guy yes. for us, right? Just walk in. Well, you could just talk to Boy Howdy. You don't need, you don't need, you can still just call him. I mean, he's not in the show anymore, but he's not dead. I mean, just call Howdy and okay. you can get all of that irresponsibility oh, thrown good. I'm gonna out. Do, I mean, I'm going to do that. Today. That's all you need. Yeah. Uh, here's a little bit more on Jerry, how they will decide what to do at the deadline. I'll go back to, to trying to do the responsible thing. You know, if left to our own devices, it, we're all competitors, you know, <laughs> whether it's, in the front office it's on the field you see opportunity every one of the players in our clubhouse we want them to get excited by what happens at the deadline and and feel motivated and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't 
but you know, you've got to do the smart thing. And virtually there's 30 teams, and I would say most of them are going to make some type of transactions that are going to affect their major league club in, in the next six days. And, and that's kind of a, an exhilarating time. You can do things to, to, to make impact from, a, from an organizational standpoint, but you can't do stupid things if you intend to sustain yeah, Jason Churchill, I think somewhere, if he was listening to that or hears that soundbite, would go, yes. Yeah, you're exactly right, Jerry. This is the time. And I think he even called, I don't know if he called it a, a floodgate, but he said in the final 72 hours, uh, fire hose. It's go- there is going to be activity. And a lot of it, 21 of the 30 teams in this league are within six and a half games of the wild card right now. So, I mean, there, there's nine that are well below that and, and a bunch of them that are out of it, including the White Sox, who made the first big move in the market, trading away two pitchers and a starting pitcher and a, and a reliever to the Angels. And the Angels saying, yeah, we're in. Same exact spot as these Mariners find themselves in, right? They're at 52 and 49. The Mariners are 52 and 50. And obviously the Otani deal is, is you know, muddies that one up a little mm-hmm. bit, the comparison, but they're in, they're in. And 20 to 30 may be in. And because of it, there's going to be a lot of activity. How yeah. creative and, and, and impactful can the, that The thing is, when be? everybody's in, it means being out pays, right? Like there's a, lot to, there's a lot to be made if you are one of the very few willing to sell a player that is not just a two-month rental. Oh, I don't know uh, if many teams are really open to trading players beyond those that are short-term right now. We haven't really seen that move yet. But, you know, it, it does establish a baseline. There are other players of that quality that are going to get moved in the next week or so. And, you know, we are, at, at least presently, we have spent almost all of our time focusing on players that we feel make more sense for us moving forward. You know, and based on market prices, you know, that could change for us in the next six days or so, again, depending on what the, the return. So you're saying it's a seller's market? Uh, of course it is. But what do you think Jerry means there? When he says moving forward, I probably should have followed up. We've been more focused on players that make more sense for us moving forward. Well, shouldn't all players make more sense for you moving forward? No, I think he's talking you mean about this those, year or next year. Yeah, I think he's talking about those non-impending free agent players. He's talking about the, the guys underneath them. You know, that the are sort the, of third tier of they're not buyers, they're not sellers, they're, they're guys the, that are going to be around for a while. They're the ones you can control for two plus years. Right. Yes, they're not just the impending free agents, but... If you play great, right? Yep. If you if you make it, if you force his hand, team, players, manager, skipper, etc. If you force his hand by winning every single game between now and the deadline, guess mm-hmm. what? That may change entirely. And maybe mm-hmm. all of a sudden you are talking about Cody Bellinger or whomever else. Yep. Gosh, it just feels like Seawald. And not only because Seawald's on my mind, and I've got to try to make this work here in 20 minutes, but it just feels like Seawald is just at the real critical point of this right he's just kind of the i'm so oh, man he's just a cornerstone in this if indeed it's a seller's market and you could get a hefty ransom are you going to be the raise i mean that's the way the rays do it right are you going to be it's the, not even just the raise the raise would do it if seawald was 27 paul seawald's 33 yep he's a 33 year old reliever and your your biggest strength is what you have in the bullpen is the word fulcrum point. Is that what I was looking for? Yeah. Is, that the, is that the appropriate? Yes. It, just, it, it didn't come to me right away. So it just feels like he's right there in like the centerpiece of this whole discussion over the next three, four, five days of in, and maybe the biggest, 
I don't know, able way to be able to tell, are you, are you going? Are you buying? Are you selling? Are you moving forward? Are you moving backward? Are you going to get an Abraham Toro? See, I because don't, if it's an Abraham Toro, I don't really want an Abraham Toro. Well, you don't want Abraham Toro in particular because that didn't work. But I never the, want an Abraham Toro. But the idea behind what they were trying to acquire there was not a bad was, idea. Was a Mitch Hanniger. He was just the wrong player. I mean, that, that's, yep. that's a difference. So Yes, it is. I don't know, man. Seawald is going to be worth a lot more than Kendall Graveman was. He's younger. He's not coming off a of surgery. Proven. He's proven over the three years. He's moments. got another year beyond this one left oh. on his contract. Oh. It's a different scenario. I I know I hear it all the time. Paul Seawald would be waving the white flag. I don't think it would necessarily. It depends what moves it was coupled with and depends who you were to get back for him. Mm. We'll discuss in more detail tomorrow. Right now, time for Ranked. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, their list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. I'm being told there was a high court. Yes, I believe there was a high court above yes. the King's Court. Oh. And then there was a night court where they went blackout shirts. Right, I remember the night court. What I always thought is they should have done the superior court. Superior court's good. But not as much as I always wanted them to do the canoe canoe, but nobody would ever <laughs> I always thought they should bring <laughs> Judge Judy in and have her ring the bell of what court. Maybe fun. Maybe not, the first not Judge Harry too. Stone. Maybe bring Judge Judy in for first pitch on King's Court. Maybe they will. Supreme Court. Rock, maybe you could rank judges someday. Oh. You know how much I've, I've seen her net worth? I, you'd have to pay her a lot to get her. Uh, I, I think, think, I think so. she's chill. I don't think she's coming out for this. <laughs> All right. Well, Brock, with the uh, unfortunate news that the Pac-12 is becoming the Pac-9 by the end of this year, we thought we would rank nines. Nines ranked. A couple of these Brock's are really going to like. You're going to love the Beatles song from the White Album, Revolution Number 9. Nine. Number nine. Nine. Number nine the song nine yeah it's just this nine it's like four minutes <laughs> it's just four minutes of them saying okay, you guys nine. definitely Jeez. did rank this before because that's the only place i would have heard that before and you i know you played this because i was like what is no, this no it's a revolution told right. me it was or, the Beatles. i think it was probably from numbers right? i think it was actually numbers yeah was that in their psychedelic Gosh. phase Could have been. i would say so yeah i think uh-huh. there's some psychedelia involved okay. in, in in saying the word number nine over and over again it's very avant-garde oh, right. yes you would get it thanks very sure. very avant-garde <laughs> You say, you say, I only hear what I want to. How do we only have nine seconds of this incredible song? That's Stay by Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories, the name of the band. I really thought Kikuchi should have come out to the mound with that song. (laughs) Would have been great. (laughs) I love that idea. Great call. Let's see, we got Deep Space Nine. Star Trek. Are you Trekkie, Brock? Would you call yourself a Trekkie? Oh, you, you can, can do, do that. the hand thing. Brock's doing the uh, Vulcan hand thing. I, kind of I can't do that. No. I'm like the I only can do person it too, I know but can. I know you guys will just make fun. Oh, Maura, do not do it. Lord! Maura, Shut do, up! Maura, do not Maura, do that. put those away! That is inappropriate! Did she just wash the whole window with her fingers? <laughs> the gap between them at the top is gigantic! What? Well, they're so long, they get so far removed from each other. Their fingers are like six inches apart at the top. Maura could throw a split finger fastball with a softball. Matt Brash was supposed to teach me. That's right. It'll do that. Here's some Jimi Hendrix. Now, if a six turned out to be nine. 
go. If six was nine, Jimi Hendrix. Mm, that's good. We've got some Panic at the Disco. Nine in the afternoon. Hi, guys. We got uh, eight, six, seven, five, three, oh. I thought Brock might have come in for <laughs> the nine. Let's see who else we have. Uh, do we have some Tech Nine? That's some Tech Nine. We must have some Tech Nine in here. Where is it? Here, yeah, here's some Tech Nine. We have a least censored. Caribou Lou. There's Caribou Lou from Tech Nine. Uh, let's see, Brock, Beverly Hills, 90210. You got movies like The Whole Nine Yards. A lot of people think and then they're going to do 99 or 19. No, no, none of that. That's ridiculous. Oh, that but I will sense. do nine and a half weeks. I'll do nine months with a uh, British guy that my wife's in love with. Uh, what's his name? Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. Right. You got District 9, Nine Perfect Strangers, Reno 911. Works. Wow. It's a lot of people saying Rammstein does their nine. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. Nine times. Nine. Nine times. I don't remember him being sick nine times. Nine times, Brock. Can you believe it? Mm. You know the movie, Brock? Ferris Bueller. There we go. Get me. That's nine shots. We'll just call it 50. Little fifty cent, nine shots. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, luxury hotel called nines. the Nines. Yeah, yes. Brock, I knew you'd get that. You know what you feel like when you're there, Brock? What? It's like being on cloud nine. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Brock, it's not nice. Brock, Brock. hates this. <laughs> Come on. Do I? What? I don't hate. Why this. would he hate this? All right, you want something that'll be in your head for the rest of the day? Sure. This is the story, story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. world. And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her, love her. when she's. Oh, wow. Nine days. Wow. Story of a girl. Did a delay kick in for you there, bro? Yeah, a little no, bit. No, I just tried to. He's just late. Parse a few words in there because <laughs> I didn't know all of them. J.D. Salinger wrote nine stories, was his uh, book of short stories. So there's uh, some options, Brock, but none good enough to make the top five. Are you ready for the top five nines? Oh, yeah. You're going to love number five, Brock. Okay. One of my favorite plays, running on third and short. It doesn't work if they're running wide nines on the other side, but if not, you're on a little flip nine. Oh, yeah. So good. Risk reward. High risk. High risk on the flip nine. High reward. Yes. But when you run it and it works, it's great. Oh, flip nine. Love it's a great nine. little play. Any yeah. love for the uh, 509? Not going to make your, your top 509? Five? No, the 509's rude to me all the time on the text I machine. I love the 509. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> 509's never yes. nice to me. Yep. Most of the bad texts I get come from the 509, I would Big say. Big fan of the 509. <laughs> number four. Selling little bottles of love potion number nine. Work. That's Love Potion number nine, Brock, from The Searchers. Uh-uh, from it's got to be like, what, 1959 or something like that? We were looking for The Searchers. We were. We were looking for The Searchers. Okay. Okay, that's number four. <laughs> 509 text. Mork can phone home with those fingers. <laughs> More of Well, phone. might come in handy. We just found out that there's all kinds of aliens out there. So True. They're going to think you're one Boy. of them. Good point. <laughs> Maybe I am. I wish you could see the look more just gave me. <laughs> I'm withering over here after that. All right, number three. Dolly? Dolly. Yeah. Both the, definitely did. 
We didn't. No. Do you did this. It's impossible. There's no, no way. There's no way possible. we did this. Might have been on five, Frank. That was uh, that was nine to five. That was nine to five from the golly. movie Nine to Five as well. Nice. That's her and Lily Tomlin. Is that right? I have no idea. What do you mean you I have no idea? You never seen it? No. He means I, he has no idea. My kids love mean that it. movie. So what does do my mean? wife. Hmm. All right. Well, that's number three on our uh, nines ranked. The pack nine, by the way, not on the list. I'm <laughs> sorry. I hate Man. to tell you. Number two. I've been going at him for six hours. He won't say a word. The guy's a brick wall. Not to worry, Sarge. I'll take it from here. Hope you boys brought popcorn, because I'm about to put on a show. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Andy Samberg's masterpiece. I really like that show. Look how fast it is. Like, that's, those are the, the comedy. Those shows are the best. I'm just quick. Yes. Perfectly cast. Yes. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, number two. Brooklyn Nine-Nine number two. I would think number one would be fairly yeah, probably obvious. probably the metal band Ice Nine Kills. Not quite. You know who this is, bro? Uh, nine Inch Nails. Oh, nine wow. Inch nails. There we go. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails. Nice Text job. in if you remember them doing this the first time, please. No, I need Do they actually have Nine Inch Nails? Can you imagine having nine inch nails? Thankfully, no. Well, I think, I think the it's, Guinness World Records. You've seen those people, right? I think it's about fingernails. I think it's about like you know oh, the, a nail you would drive like into. a death nail. <laughs> <laughs> Great callback. Yeah, Great like a death nail in the car. We really should have done nails ranked today. Uh-huh. Either way, nine inch nails would have been number one. I really felt like I brought this sucker home today. Nice job, buddy. You're welcome. Great callback. We'll finish on that lovely note. Um, Nine's ranked. All right, we got to run. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Brock's in tomorrow. It's going to be great. Let's hear what happened in day two of training camp practice today. See what the uh, Mariners, well, they're not going to do anything. They're off today. So I promise we'll talk about Paul Seawald. How's that? I'm going to a uh, game tonight. Fish sticks. Oh, fish sticks. Yeah, Dub C fish sticks. Everybody's going. I'll see Dub you there. C, like White Center. The guy from West Side Connection? Or that. Mm. All right. Or White Center. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Stick around for Bump and Stacy. Until then, the hey is in the barn barn. See you, everybody. Nine. Opportunities. Federally insured by NCOA Equal Housing Opportunity Lender. If you or someone in your family is diagnosed with prostate cancer, consider treatment with Swedish CyberKnife. Swedish CyberKnife requires only five short treatments, each lasting less than an hour. The technologically advanced treatment has a high cure rate, and the skill and experience of the doctors is unmatched. To learn more about CyberKnife for prostate cancer treatment, go to swedish.org slash prostate or call 206-320-7187. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish CyberKnife. Nine innings of Mariners baseball at T-Mobile Park goes by faster than you think. So make sure you have a plan. Innings one, two, three. Dig in. Legendary pizza? Yes. Fries smothered in fresh Dungeness crab? Absolutely. Baseball's best craft beers? Bring it on. Innings four through six? Check it out. Get up close to the pitchers in the pen. Like, really close. Hey, get him! Swing it a miss! Before you know it, it's time to bring home the W. So get up, get loud, and don't forget your dancing shoes. Mariners Baseball, see us rise. Starting this Monday, don't miss a summer showdown between the Mariners and Red Sox at T-Mobile Park. The AL East Sluggers are coming to town for a three-game series with first pitch at 6.40 on Monday and Tuesday and a midweek matinee at 110 on Wednesday. Get your tickets for this marquee matchup at Mariners.com.
So, how's your research going? Surprising. After I figured out the top-rated TVs in our price range, I went shopping for deals. And who's the best? It wasn't the internet, and it wasn't the warehouse club. But? It was video only. They had better deals on the Samsung, LG, and the Sony TVs that got the highest scores. Better than online and at the club? I know. Video only beat them all. And now we can afford an even better model for the same price. My research really paid off. If we buy it video only. Exactly. Otherwise, we'll be sorry. At Video Only, you won't find huge stores with refrigerators or microwaves, but you will find the best deals on top-rated TVs, soundbars, and monitors. Shop around. Just make sure you visit Video Only, because if you don't, you'll be sorry. In South Center, Bellevue, Linwood, Federal Way, and Tacoma, Video Only. This is Chris Davis of the Davis Law Group. Let me tell you how Davis Law Group delivers excellent results and five-star client service. Our in-house investigation team vets every case we handle. We are experts at using the court rules to strengthen our case. We don't back down to the insurance companies or the government. If you've been injured in an accident and want to experience the Davis Law Group difference, call us today at 206-727-4000 or visit us at davislawgroupseattle.com. Better service, better results. Well, this week's First Mark Challenge victory goes to Robert. Robert, why did you call First Mark Insurance? I heard an ad, and my wife and I had just got our policy renewals from our previous provider, and everything had gone up quite a bit, 30 40%, so I thought I'd give it a try. It was a pleasant experience, very easy. It only took a couple of days to get the 